podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. The show originally aired on the Premier Networks on Saturday, October 26th, 2019. This is episode 1638. Next week, Rich Demuro. Enjoy. The Tech Guy podcast is brought to you by Ring Central. With Ring Central, you'll get everything you need in one place for your business communication needs. With all in one cloud phone, video conferencing, and team messaging, staying connected has never been easier. Save with their holiday bundle offer and don't pay until 2020 when you go to ringcentral.com slash tech guy. And by Zapier. Zapier connects all your business software and handles the work for you so you can focus on what matters most. Right now through November, go to zapier.com slash tech guy for your free 14-day trial. And by LastPass, a personal password manager and identity solution for businesses all in one. You only need one master password and then let LastPass remember the rest. Visit lastpass.com slash twit to learn more. Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Yeah, tech guy time. Your worst nightmare, a geek with his own radio show. <laughs> Come on, let's talk about computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smart watches, AR, VR. Anything with a chip in it, any kind of technology at all, that's what we talk about on this show. And honestly, I try to do it not in geek speak. I try to talk plain English as best I can. Sometimes the geek pleases through. Occasionally, you'll get somebody asking me something about Linux. I go, well, yeah, but, but mostly I'm pretending to be a normal human being. Mostly, most of the time. Do you see, see the funny story about Samsung? Uh, well, not so funny if you have a Samsung Galaxy S10, S10 Plus, or the new 5G, or a Note 10, Note 10 Plus. I actually have an S10 Plus and a Note 10 Plus. Uh, they have on this an ultrasonic fingerprint reader, which, by the way, is no good. I don't like it. I don't recommend it. In fact, I've just stopped using it. It's slow, and it's not very accurate. Well, it's actually, it turns out to be even more inaccurate than we thought. Uh, I don't like, I don't put screen protectors on my smartphones. I just, it bugs me. Uh, maybe that's because I don't spend long enough with a phone to really get it scratched up and messed up. I'm always moving on to a new phone. I guess if I wanted to keep a phone for two or three years, as a normal person would, maybe I would use a screen protector. I don't know. I feel like it, I don't know, it, it distances me from the screen. I don't like how it feels. And it turns out with at least those Samsung phones, it's also a security issue. Whoopsie. You know, it's funny because these phones come with a screen protector. At least the S10 Plus did. I peeled it off. But apparently, if you're putting a third-party screen protector on your Samsung S10 or Note 10 phone, the ultrasonic fingerprint reader doesn't actually read your fingerprint. It reads the screen protector. And this was discovered by somebody who noticed everyone in her family could unlock her phone. It's not looking at your fingerprint. It's looking at the screen protector and, the I guess, the weird barely visible to us but this ultrasonic thing can see it patterns and whorls on the screen protector and of course that never changes so it doesn't care who's unlocking it they all they all unlock samsung says they're going to fix this next week but wow wow and then and then annals of unlocking problems google with its new pixel 4 phone 
which uh, which just came out. People are starting to get. They got just started getting it. Uh, I think what uh, Thursday, right? People started getting it. I didn't get mine yet. I so I'm dumb. I ordered the orange one. <laughs> it comes in 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 shiny piano black, the new Pixel Four phone, in uh, white with I think an orange button, and then like a creamsicle kind of orange color. I don't remember what the colors. Not orange, probably. They're they're funky in their naming. And I wasn't paying attention. I ordered it. And then I looked and it said, oh, this is a special order, limited edition. You're going to get it on the 28th. So I don't get it till Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, uh, I suspect this is also something Google will fix. When people were testing this phone, there was a checkbox, just as there is on the iPhone. You know, the new Google phone has face recognition. No more fingerprint reader. They use face recognition just like the iPhone. There's a bar at the top of the new Pixel phone. It's actually the first smartphone ever to have radar in it. It has radar in it, and it measures your face using radar and unlocks. Actually, this radar is also a problem because it turns out because it's radar, it has to be approved by the FCC and whatever other countries call their FCC, the CRTC in Canada and so forth, and not all countries have approved it yet. So it's even though the chip is in there, it's disabled in in some. I think France, it's disabled in France, which I mean means you can't use the face ID either. I guess anyway, it's got face recognition, and on the Apple phone, there's a little checkbox that says, "Do you want to require attention?" In other words, do you have to be looking at the face ID with your eyes open for it to work? And the most secure setting on the iPhone is to turn that on. You can turn it off, which means it unlocks more easily. You don't have to be looking straight at it. Apparently, that setting was in the pre-release versions of the Pixel 4, but Google took it out. <laughs> which means, according to the BBC, <laughs> that you can unlock the Pixel 4 phone even if you're dead. Or asleep. And this is a problem. And in specifically, they mentioned it's a problem <laughs> because spouses can now get their spouse's phone unlocked while they're sleeping. Yeah, the BBC repeated the test on several people with the same result. The phone still unlocked if the user pretended to be asleep. There is no setting. I bet there will be pretty quick after this story. There's no setting in the phone to say, make sure that, the, you know, you're, I'm looking at you when you unlock. Check my eyes. Oops. <laughs> uh, the uh, BBC talked to a security expert, Graham Cluley. Good name. I'm thinking he has a clue. Graham Cluley. If someone can unlock your phone while you're asleep, it's a big security problem. <laughs> yes, it is. Or dead. Someone unauthorized, a child, a partner, could unlock the phone without your permission by putting it in front of your face while you're asleep. I wouldn't trust it to secure the private conversations and data on my phone. I don't think Graham Cluley sounds like that, by the way. I'm just fooling with you. Google's support website tells customers your phone can also be unlocked by someone else if it's held up to your face, even if your eyes are closed. This is a problem. There is a lockdown mode that deactivates face recognition, I guess, until Google fixes it. I'm guessing they're going to fix it. I bet you they fix it next week. I bet you they push out something if they haven't already. 
Google did say face unlock can't be fooled by photos or masks. That's where you put the radar in there. If it were just a camera, you could use just a camera for face recognition, but a camera can't tell if something's 3D or not. Radar can. You could say, well, your ears are three inches behind your eyes. It knows uh, it can make a 3D rendering of your face, so it's more uh, secure, more reliable. But apparently Google decided not to look for the eyes. <laughs> so just a couple of tips. If you've got a Samsung S10 or Note 10, take the uh, take the screen protector off it, for, at least for the time being, if you want it to be more secure. There'll be an update any minute now, I'm sure. And if you just got one of these new Pixel 4s, mine's going to come my orange phone. Why did I get orange? What was I thinking? I just thought, well, it's it's different. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. My orange. Actually, orange seems to be the new Google Color. Did you see they also re released a uh, the new uh, Chromebook. They call it the Pixelbook Go. It has this grippy bottom, this grippy rubber, or I think it's orange rubber ridges on the bottom. Orange is the new black. They don't make a show like that. <sighs> Security is always challenging. And honestly, it, it, it's a problem because if you think about it, you put stuff on your phone you wouldn't, you wouldn't put anywhere else. You wouldn't write all that stuff in a notebook every place you've ever been. Audio and video recordings of things you've done. Your, all your email all your financial accounts, all that stuff's on your smartphone. That's why the police are so anxious to be able to unlock it, right? It's all on there. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let's get to the phones right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, and it's time. Time has come to take your calls. And uh, I'm going to go right now to line to Grover in Orange County, California. Hello, Grover. Hello, Leo. Thanks for hanging on. What can I do for you? Leo, I'm buying a new house and I'm um, trying to set up my internet. Um, and right now I use um, Cox Cable for both my cable and my internet. Yep. I have no, no issues with Cox Cable for the television that I watch. But I haven't been happy with the internet service that I have with them. Yeah. Even though I pay for high-end internet service, I guess it's some sort of shared network and depends on how many other people are on the line. So I was hoping when I moved into my new house to set it up and I went to uh, DirecTV thinking I would do a new package with them, but they do not offer internet service, only DirecTV in Orange County. Yeah, you can get satellite service, but I don't recommend it. So let me talk about your issue because your issue is gonna is the same with any internet service provider. It's all shared. It's it's just, you know, and the phone companies for a while were were uh, kind of trying to take the take the mickey out of the cable companies by saying, "Oh, it's shared, it's worse." But it's all shared. It's just where it's shared. So, the way cable companies work, they they send a certain amount of internet down to your neighborhood. Right. And then share it in your neighbor. But the phone company shares it with everybody else in your Central in your region of your central office, so it's still shared. The only mm -hmm. thing that really makes a difference is how much internet they have, how much they buy from their provider. If they've got mm -hmm. a big fat pipe coming to your neighborhood, doesn't matter if every single person in your neighborhood is watching Netflix. Now, if you were mm -hmm. in an older neighborhood, it might well be that 
Cox didn't put in much bandwidth in there. Or, you know, it's really dependent on the mm-hmm. on how good a company they are. They may say, well, we could save money. We'll give them uh, five megabits. That should be plenty. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. as soon as all the neighbors fire at 7, is it 7 p.m. when everybody gets home and fires up Netflix, it just goes to hell, right? Yeah, well, I just, I can't, I can't even stream my Sonos at yeah. 9.30 yeah. when we're trying to go to bed. It, yeah. it, it buffers, it, you know, it, it, it just. Well, that's pretty bad. You should, audio should work fine no matter what. So you're right. That's terrible service. Uh, that doesn't mean, however, it'll be as bad in the new neighborhood. Because remember, if it's a newer, especially if it's a newer neighborhood, they might have piped more in there, right? Okay. And okay. They, now, here's why the satellite is not a better alternative. They are very limited. They have the same problem. But the problem is they have a satellite transponder which has the data on it. And everybody mm-hmm. in the entire North America is using that same satellite transponder. <laughs> So it's the same exact problem. In fact, most satellite providers have a fair use provision that's mm-hmm. make, that says if you use more than, and it's usually a very low amount in a day or a month, mm-hmm. you're going to be cut off or slowed down because they have a big problem with hogs, bandwidth hogs. That's what the phone mm-hmm. company like to call them. So a satellite is not a good choice, but you may have other choices in the new neighborhood. The problem in this okay. country really is... The cable companies cried poor to the FCC many years ago. And they said, it's so expensive. When we put in, we have to trench all the way out to the house. We have to to put it up in poles. It's so expensive. We want a monopoly. We don't want anybody else to come in there. We want to be the only Internet service provider. And the phone company said, you know, we've spent so much money. This was years ago. And we, we, we put it in the phone. We want a monopoly. So there is in this country, in almost every region of this country, a duopoly. You have two choices, your phone company or your cable company. Right. The technology the phone company uses, DSL, isn't as fat a pipe because it's coming in over two copper wires, the phone line. So it's never going to be as good. It also suffers from distance. The cable company usually gives you the best bandwidth. But it may not be your only choice. It may be, depending on where you're moving... There may be a company that's putting fiber in there. It costs them a lot, but they can make money if they get enough people to sign up. There also may be wireless Internet service providers. That's going to really change in the next few years when 5G becomes prevalent. That may become a very good choice for you. It's as, as fast or faster than cable Internet, but it's completely wireless. And they, you know, mm-hmm. that in some urban areas as well. What I would do is go to a place, a website called DSL Reports. They actually rebranded to broadband reports, but the URL DSL reports still works. Okay. And they have – you enter your zip code, and they'll tell you not only who's available in your neighborhood, but they have reviews from actual customers. Great. So, in fact, if you go to the front page of DSL reports, you'll see happy customers, mixed, and unhappy customers. (laughs) You know who's at the top of the list of unhappy customers? Cox, California. Yes. So there you go. My name. But I have to say, it's Cox, Ar- I, what is AR? Arkansas, right? Cox, Arkansas is at the top of the list among happy customers. So that points uh-huh. out the fact that it's it's very right. location specific. And right. It, and it may be in your new area. One way to do this would be if you're moving in somewhere new, ask neighbors. Is it rural or is it uh, is it urban? 
It's two blocks away, but I get your point. Oh, well, it won't be any different then, probably. It could be, because, you know, the head end could be, like, there could be a different head end. It just it depends where they put it. Okay. So okay. it could be Thank better. You very much, yeah. Hey, my pleasure. It's a complicated subject, and you see, we're, we suffer in the U.S. because of this duopoly. In a way, we suffer because we invented the Internet. It's often the case that uh, it was it's kind of the same with cell phones. Because these technologies came here first, we have the oldest physical plants. We have the longest-term incumbents. The companies have been doing it for a long time. And we have lots of you know, carve-outs for those companies because they've been here so long and they've had time to buy off members of the Assembly and the Congress. And so it tends to be the countries where the Internet is new or cell phone service is new – usually have newer technology and fewer problems, often more competition. We need more competition in the U.S. Clearly, that's a problem. I think the FCC has recognized it, but the problem is they also take a lot of contributions from these companies. Often, uh, FCC commissioners and the current chairman of the FCC is a former lobbyist for Verizon. So, you know, you can't expect these guys to be looking out for us particularly. And so this this bad state of affairs, we really don't have the best Internet. We, should, we invented it. We, we have among the worst Internet among developed nations. Many, many countries have a better solution. Uh, there are some broadband plans out there. The uh, FCC, uh, under the previous administration, had a pretty comprehensive broadband plan, but that's gone by the wayside. Uh, some of the Democratic candidates have un- rolled out some pretty interesting broadband plans. Elizabeth Warren suggested spending $86 billion to improve rural broadband in this country. Uh, she recognized, as among other candidates, have recognized that uh, Internet access is, is more than just a luxury these days. It's how we buy things. It's how we interact. It's how we learn. It's how we decide who to vote for. It's... It's everything, how we get our news. So it's it's much more than just a luxury. It's something everybody needs, a high-speed Internet. And I think that it's going to ultimately take government intervention of some kind because the companies, you know, they're going to go where the money is. And they're going to try to squeeze as much as they can. And right now they're sitting in the catbird seat. Hey, we're going to take a break. Scott Wilkinson, home theater guru, coming up next. Leo Laporte, the tech Leo Laporte, the tech guy, and we have Scott Wilkinson, the home theater guru on the line from uh, techhive.com. Is that right? Is that right, Scott? That's right. That's where he's Techhive.com. Contributor. That's my, my current online home. Yep. Home on the web. I think of this as your home on the radio every week. Scott. Well, it is. Yes. It is. And I'm so gratified to to call it that. Absolutely. Yay. We, we love having you on here. So uh, Scott thought he'd answer a question from a listener. That's right. Dan Castillo from San Antonio uh, has a pair of definitive technology BP8040ST speakers. Oh, those that sounds familiar. Were those considered great speakers in the day? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they include integrated subwoofers. And there's a debate about whether or not having the true subwoofers in your main speakers is a good idea or not. There are plenty of people who think it is. There are those who don't. It's kind of not the thing these days, right? We have separate subwoofers. Exactly. And, And I think there's a good reason for that. And the reason is... Very often, most often, in most rooms, and it depends on the room, 
the position, the best position for the subwoofer or for where the low frequencies are coming from is not necessarily the same as the best position for where the mids and highs are coming from. It has to do with the room modes and, and how you are energizing the room with these, with these speakers and the sound coming from it. So Dan bought them and uh, had, you know, thought they were great. But then he bought some real, some subwoofers, some separate subwoofers. These speakers have real subwoofers in them. Don't get me wrong. But he bought separate ones. And he thought, he said, I'm never going back. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's nice to be able to position the subwoofer somewhere convenient out of the way. Exactly. Well, there's that, but there's also positioning it in a place where it, minimizes the boominess and the room modes that subwoofers inevitably or create if you're me vice versa i love that boom <laughs> i like to put them in a three-way reflective corner right get that room well, it, shaken it, yep yep not stirred <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, exactly right exactly right but having and that so control is up- nice if it's stuck in the speaker you can't really do that much with you it. can't do it you plus can't it do makes that. the speaker bigger Correct. And that's one of his problems is that they take up a lot of space. He's thinking about actually getting some good bookshelves and putting them around the room and then having the subwoofer. And so now his question is, so I want to sell these definitive technology BP 8040 ST speakers. And he says, where should I do it? Should Mm. I just go on Craigslist? Well, you could certainly. Uh, but there are a couple of online resources that I wanted to hip him and your listeners to. Uh, the first one is called audiogon.com. <laughs> A-U-D-I-O-G-O-N.com. Excellent name. G-O-N-E or G-O-N? No, no. G-O-N. G-O-N. Okay. A-U-D-I-O-G-O-N, no E, dot com. And this is this is a specific site set up to sell... Uh, hi-fi audio and video equipment. Hmm. And there's two ways to sell, which I found very interesting. Uh, you can, uh, if if you pay them up front to list this equipment, uh, if you pay up front, it, they're going to charge you 2% of the asking price. Okay. So if you're, if you're selling them for a thousand bucks, you know, they're going to charge you 20 bucks. That's not bad at all. Which is not bad. Not bad. Uh, if you want to pay later, that is after they sell, they're going to charge you a $5 insertion fee, which is no big deal, and 3.5%. So, you know, you get your choice. You have to join. You have to sign up and join to create a, an account and all that stuff. But it's a huge marketplace. They've got tons of stuff for sale. The other place I want to mention is my old online home, AVS Forum which has a classified section. Oh, that's a great so, forum. I, I still it, use it all the time. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I go there often myself. It's, it is a great forum. I'm sorry not to be involved, but that's another story. I'm glad you're not bitter. And I'm not bitter, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they have a classified section, and they don't charge anything. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so, you know, you can, you can list your stuff there and... You have to be a member of AVS Forum, which doesn't cost anything either. But, you know, you sign up, you, you become th- a member of AVS Forum, you can list your speakers there. Do you think th- – the problem with that is you don't know what you're getting. If there's no charge and there's – you know, it's mm-hmm. it could just be a scammer on there. It could be. That is – if you're shopping for equipment, yeah. yes. Yeah. 
that could definitely be well a even problem. the buyer can be a scammer you know uh, here send me this stuff and i'll send you the money and right. then the, you know there's all sorts of ways to scam that too well yeah and so yeah, you do have to be a little careful <laughs> to tell you the truth my initial concern over these online solutions wasn't scamming although that should be of of deep concern but more in this case of uh, of these deaf tech speakers how much is it going to cost you to ship them oh yeah those are heavy that's aren't they yeah really expensive well you have to charge the buyer i mean that's <clears throat> yes exactly that's and audiogon actually has a really cool feature which is you can actually print up shipping labels oh nice on audiogon oh that's nice so so that's that's pretty good. I honestly don't know how they manage um, uh, scam uh, pre- prevent scams from taking place. There right. must be a way to do it. I right. haven't I haven't sold anything there myself, but I've heard a lot of people have, and I haven't heard of any particular problems. So, you know, it's it's probably it's probably an okay thing. Mike Heiss also says he's in our uh, chat room right now. Oh yeah, some brands have a for sale section on the website. So oh, if, that's true. Yeah, you could go if you know you're selling some Harmon Cardons or whatever. I don't know if they do it, but some brands yeah. will do that, and you go there. The nice thing about that, you're going to get aficionados of that particular brand. They might be willing to pay right. more because they understand it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you're going to reach a smaller group of potential buyers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'd go and to the, the question- Bose 901 site. <laughs> I'd be nervous about buying used uh, speakers, especially because it's you can get a blown speaker. It'd be hard to know Correct. that ahead of time. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. In particular, the the flexible material that surrounds the actual vibrating driver is called the surround, and that's the first thing to deteriorate. They dry out. Over, they dry out exactly. It has to be a flexible material, and depending on where the speaker was, you know, if it was in. Uh, a, a humid environment that should be okay if they were in a dry environment the palm springs or some dry place uh you know they could be really cracked and dried and need to be replaced and that's going to cost you a lot of money too and where this so, factors in as a seller is that means prices won't be as high as you would like because they factor in the fact that they may have problems they may have to recondition um mm-hmm. you're not going to get top dollar uh, that way but I don't know where you would go to get top dollar unless you were, you know, lucky enough to know there's a collector in in your town who can come over exactly. and listen to him before he uh, mm-hmm. buys them. And you could say, yeah. "Look, I know you want these; they're going to cost you. You got a pickup yeah. truck." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I have to tell you, I myself would be very nervous about buying online like this, sight unseen. But you know why people? It's the do same it. as with. They're nostalgic mm. about the old sound, like those mm-hmm. Bose nine hundred ones. They those Bose nine hundred. They're nostalgic, and uh, or yep. or Macintosh tube amps, yep. and so there is a market. There's a pretty good market for this older stuff because yep. everything's solid state now. It's all made with modern materials, uh, right. you know, diamond and, woofers and tweeters and all that, and people <laughs> want the old stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Give me a exactly paper cone, right. a good paper cone. It sounds so real. <laughs> Scott Wilkinson, he's always he's always the best. Contributor at TechHive.com, our home theater geek and uh, and the shofar player. Mm. His, you're going to do the Tuba Christmas this year, right? Oh, Tuba Christmas is coming up this year. Yep, well, absolutely. Let everybody know as we get closer. Thank you, Scott. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. 
our Tech Guy podcast this week, brought to you by Ring Central. Oh man, we've been using Ring Central since we moved, not to even to this studio, but to the old studio, the Twit Breakhouse studio. And it, ha- I have to say, over the years, it's gotten better and better and better. It's now the number one global cloud phone system, and it does everything. And I don't just mean make, make and answer phone calls. I mean everything. Ring Central lets your business have effortless communication. With Ring Central, you can work remotely, but still use the company phone. You can route calls to wherever you want. You'll never miss another call. That's important if you're in sales. You don't want to miss that call, do you? They've got video conferencing now. They've got team messaging. Yeah, your whole team could be using Ring Central. And it integrates with Gmail, Salesforce, Microsoft Outlook, and of course our favorite Zapier. Retrieve voicemail from you get an email or you can have it on your phone. They have a great Ring Central app. You could even get transcription so you don't even have to listen to it to know what the voicemail is about. It's really great if you're stuck in a meeting, right? You can just quickly glance discreetly check your messages ring central it's more than just a phone system it's been our phone system for eight years now but we use it in so many other ways simplify your workflow stay connected easily with customers and employees and your team and the service is fantastic with any mode on any device anywhere their app provides flawless integration so you can transition like today from your personal phone to your computer during a call it's so cool they won't even know you've done it Ring Central's app is ahead of its time, letting you send business text messages from your personal phone. You don't even have to transfer your contacts into the app. It automatically populates for them. And if you've got an existing number, an existing phone system, and you don't want to lose that number, of course you don't. We didn't want to. We had a great 800 number. We moved it right over to Ring Central, no problem. Ring Central is the complete communication solution. One vendor, and it's really affordable. It starts as low as $19.99, saving you money, cutting your phone costs at least 30%. They also have great customer service, 24-7, via telephone, live chat, email. They're there when you need them. We made the choice for Ring Central eight years ago. We've we've never been happier. We use Ring Central for all of our communication needs. You should, too. And I got a great deal for you. When you sign up today, you get instant access to Ring Central's award-winning, powerful phone system, all the features you want, text, fax, video conferencing, and more. I, we haven't had a fax machine in eight years. We don't need it. Take advantage of this great deal to a special holiday bundle. Just because you're listening to Tech Guy, you don't pay till next year, <laughs> till 2020, when you go to ringcentral.com slash tech guy. R-I-N-G central.com slash tech guy. You're going to love it. Thank you, Ring Central, for not only supporting the tech guy, but for keeping our phone service so hot for so long. Thank you. Ringcentral.com slash tech guy. Now back to the show. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back to the phones we go. Line four is John in Indianapolis. Hello, John. Hi, Leo. How are you? Uh, I'm great. How are you? Thanks for calling. I'm doing well. Hey, the reason I'm calling, I'm going to be going to Prague in Czech Republic in a couple of weeks. Oh, it's a beautiful city. Oh, I have not been there yet, so this, this will be first time going there. Old, old Prague is a beautiful medieval city. The clock in the uh, old square there is just mind-boggling. You're going to love it. Great. So I'm looking for some data because I don't speak Czech, and I'm hoping to yes. use uh, a translation. It's a challenging language, I have to say, at, the, at least, yeah, for English And, and I know a little bit of German. I was hoping it would be close to German. I look at it. It's nowhere close. No, so but a lot, a lot of them speak German, so you might be in good shape there. 
Okay. So I, I'd use the wiki that you've always mentioned before, the prepaid of data yes. uh, wiki, yes. to, to get some information and to get me a starting point. And found that Vodafone offers for visitors to Prague uh, 10 gigabytes for $35 for a SIM. Isn't that a great deal? Isn't yeah, that's great. great. Yeah. So my question for you, and I know you've used both, they also offer it as a hotspot option. Is there a, a pro or a con for using a SIM versus a hotspot? And yes, very, very much so. So when you use a SIM, you're now changing your phone number on your iPhone to a check phone number. So I don't know how important it is that you be reachable, but any texts sent to your old number are not going to reach you. Any phone calls, they're not going to reach you unless you forward your old number and you tell people, don't use SMS, use WhatsApp or something else because otherwise I won't get it. So putting in a SIM changes, it's like a brain transplant for your phone. It's got a new number too. But if you get a hotspot, it has another advantage. You can use it with uh, usually five other devices, including your phone. So if you have a laptop or a tablet, that will work with the hotspot. And you, you, you'll keep your phone number. You just have to remember to turn off data roaming on your phone because otherwise it'll try to use the check Vodafone service. And you don't want it to do that. You want to turn off data roaming and just use Wi-Fi even when you're out and about. Is there a battery life concern? I mean, yes. Obviously, the SIM's just using the phone, but does, does the battery last longer on a hotspot? And obviously, it depends no. on the battery. <laughs> so the that, is the, that is the downside. I didn't get to the negatives. The downside of a hotspot is generally it doesn't last all day. Depends on what they give mm. you. But that's solvable, too, if you bring a battery pack with you. Which I'm going to have a couple of those with I me. I bet you will. Nowadays, nobody yeah. the phones just don't get through the day as they used to. So you're probably traveling with a battery pack. And you can plug, almost always plug that hotspot into a battery pack. And then you'll get plenty of battery life. Okay, interesting. Um, also, a second question, if I can. Um, I'm thinking about taking my Echo with me. Because I like to <laughs> use that for listening to podcasts. And, I, and frankly, I, I use that as my, as my alarm clock. In the Isn't that funny um, how we become dependent on these voice assistants? How funny. And, and, it, and it's so small, I can throw it in the suitcase, and it doesn't take up. So you have an Echo Dot? Yes. Yeah. And so something is, are there any issues with using it in a foreign country if I connect it to the Wi-Fi? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. In the apartment I'm using? Yeah. So you're going to be in one apartment for the whole time. That makes it a little bit easier. You're right. going to need, it needs internet access. Does that apartment that you're going to stay in have Wi-Fi? They do have Wi-Fi, and I've I've also got a little tiny uh, travel router I purchased also that I'm just going to have everything connecting to that, so I just have to have a good the idea. one device that's, and point to their Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's a very good idea for security. Um, well, you'll have to you'll basically be like setting up the dot anew. You'll be setting it up with the Wi-Fi that it has, and limitations to the uh, Echo service in Czechoslovakia will apply. So hmm. many of the things that you take for granted in the U.S. may not work. I use it mainly, for, frankly, I, I oftentimes will listen to podcasts from, from your network late at night or I'm going to sleep or something like that. That's and, an interesting. Um, Let me think. Um, I, I see no reason why we would be geographically restricted. So the, the thing is that usually what happens is that Echo's using TuneIn, the radio service mm -hmm. TuneIn for our podcast, I think. So if TuneIn works in Czechoslovakia, or I'm sorry, the Czech Republic, uh, then you shouldn't have any problems. But if it's... You know, like your Netflix, for instance, all of a sudden you're in the Czech Republic. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say, well, you've got 15 movies. They're all in Czech. You might have some limitations. Now, I will say on my travel router, I've got the ability, and I've already set it up, where it's got open VPN. So I'm actually going to have it pointing back Perfect. to the U.S. So if you're coming so, into the United States, uh, if you're coming back through a VPN that originates in the U.S., 
you'll look like you're in the U.S. and Echo should behave normally. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you just have to, re- you, basically you're setting it up all over again with a brand new Wi-Fi. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but you're not moving right. around, so why not? Well, I, again, I'm, I'm just going to use this for, for when I go to bed at night. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm used to listening to, some, to, to, to things like that or some streaming. Or, and again, that's my alarm clock. Now, the only thing, okay, the only thing is it may get confused about the time if it thinks you're in the U.S. Oh, yes. Because Echo its, sets its time. And, of course, it gets its time in universal coordinated time, but then adjusts it for the time zone you're in. I don't know what it's going to say then. Um, see if there's a way to manually set the time zone in the Echo app. Okay. I, that's I've got my phone as a backup, but I, I was just curious because I thought they're small enough I can throw in a suitcase. No, they don't I, really take yeah. up any space. That makes sense. And It's a little speaker. I, yeah. Yeah. I think they ought to make a travel Echo. That's Amazon, here's a product idea. Make a travel Echo that automatically is, you know, your account and thinks, you know, I think that feels like that should be a product. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it is kind of hard to travel with it right now. But I, you know what? Would you call me back when you get back and let me know, first of all, how your trip went? And then second, how the uh, Echo worked? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do this. It's kind of an experiment. So Yeah, it's a well, great experiment. Let you know. Yeah, very interesting idea. I like it. I'm, I'm as reliant. Uh, I, I would bring my Google Home Hub which is the uh, it's a Google Assistant, and it's got a screen on it, shows pictures. It, I use it for my alarm. I wonder how well it would work, though, especially with the time zones. That's a, that's a, fast, that's a fascinating question. I don't know what the answer is. Linda, Woodland Hills, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hey, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. What can I do for you? Well, I have... I... Uh, the Apple Mac. Yes. And I used the the software that came with it. Yes. The email program. Yes, Apple Mail. Yeah, which I really don't like. But anyway, another story. So I have. Four- <laughs> there, there are other programs out there. Probably you figured that out. But- well, yeah, uh, but I started using this one, and I just haven't switched. Every, you know what. It's what they call the uh, tyranny of the default is the term, which is that's the default, so everybody uses it. I know, I know. But what my question is, I I have four of my contacts that always go into junk, no matter what I've done. Gosh darn it. And I'll tell you, uh, two of them use AOL. That's probably why. The other two use (laughs) Gmail. Okay. So you can try to train Apple Mail by, I don't know if you've done this, but saying, not junk, not junk, not Always. junk. Always. And Const- it still puts it in junk. Always. My I oughta. Are I your oughta. friends on those emails putting in a lot of links? Because that's one of the things that Apple Mail will say. Oh, I see all these links. This has got to be spam. Do they have yeah. do they have links in their signature or are they or are they always sending you links? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Apple uses a Apple. All email, all spam filters use a lot of signals to determine whether something's spam. But one big signal is not a lot of text, but a lot of links. Mm. So maybe I, I, it may not be. It may not be their names or their email addresses. It probably isn't. It's the content of the message. But it's every time. It's just, this so is here's not- what you do. 
Yeah. It is possible to solve this with a filter. You want a custom filter that says, when I see mail from Jane at AOL.com, you put that here and mark it not spam. Okay. So you're going to look in the filters. Right, I think I think this works with Apple Mail. Right click on the email. There should be in the pop-up menu, make a filter. And that will automatically populate it with Jane's address and everything. That should work. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yeah, I think I think that's the best. Let me look at my Apple Mail. I, I don't use mail. I use everything but mail. Okay. Um, let me just look if I can even find mail. <laughs> Do you use filters at all? Have you ever used filters? No. I don't even know what to do with them. It's a very handy feature in every mail program. And what it does is it allows you to tell mail how to handle certain kinds of messages. Well, okay. I have have actually gone into some part of it just searching around. And, and try yeah, to- unfortunately, I don't see – they should have it in the pop-up menu, but they don't. So you're going to have to – when you've got mail open, you're going to have to – oh, wait a minute. This isn't Apple Mail. This is a different program. I wanted mail. Hold mm-hmm. on. Right. So I wasn't looking at Apple Mail. So maybe they do – maybe they do have it in Apple Mail. They ought to have it in Apple Mail. Gosh darn it. Um, where you right-click – problem is I don't have any mail in here. Get some mail. I know. So you right-click on it and then say, I, I think, as I remember, it says make a filter. And what you'll do is you'll say, for this email address, uh-huh. so that's there's two parts to the filter. What you're filtering on, what the what the criteria are for, for doing something with this message. And in this case, it's right. just going to be the from address. The from is jane at aol.com. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of it is, okay, when I see that, what do I do with it? And you'll see a lot of choices. What I would suggest is move her into the VIP folder or somewhere where, you know, if, you know, you could have a, I do this with everybody oh, okay. that I don't want to miss their mail. I have, a, I have two folders. I have important and I have VIP. Well, they have a VIP choice. Yeah, Apple does that automatically. If you favorite somebody, they become a VIP. But my experience with that is it doesn't work. Yeah, I know. So, so I, I, I gave up on that kind of. So what you're going to do is filter it and, and maybe make a friends folder. Make a folder of some kind and just – and then take – there's you can get even more sophisticated. For instance, sometimes with filters you could say, if this person's in my address book, put it in my friends folder. Okay. Stuff like that. And then uh, – Usually, I don't, I'm not looking at it right now because I don't have... Well, let's see. I can at least look at the filters section. Uh, uh, where is the filters? Where is the filters? In preferences, isn't it? Is, it, is, that, where they, is that where they hide it? Well... Rules. Just, yeah, they call them rules. Yep, you're right. Rules, yeah. So we're going to add a rule. We're going to call this rule Jane... And I've done, yeah, okay, I've gone into rules before. Okay, and if, if it comes from jane at aol.com, uh-huh. uh, then you can move the message to a certain mailbox and press okay. the plus sign because then you can also say, for instance, flag it. I guess you can't say not spam, but you can say, and this is probably what you want to do, This is the this is the super secret magic trick. At the very bottom... Stop evaluating rules. 
And what that will tell mail to do is don't do anything else. Just move it to the friends email box and leave it at that. In other words, don't do any spam filtering on it. Okay. So does that? I know this is kind of an advanced tip, but does that kind of make sense? Well, it does if it works. It would be great. I think it'll work, but I think that the trick is going to be after you say move the message to the friends email box that you press the plus sign and you add one more rule, which is stop (laughs) evaluating rules. That means don't do anything more with this message, including filtering it into spam. Okay. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't know. <laughs> you you feel like this is going to be too hard to do? Well, no, but it's. I don't think Apple makes things really user-friendly. They're supposed to. That's their whole thing. I, but I, agree, so. I agree with you. I really don't. I, no. I find them to be so confusing. <laughs> I know. And when I Google it, then it gets even worse. <laughs> so it's good to know how how rules work. You're right; they're in the preferences. Thank you for correcting me on that. You're going to describe the rule. You're going to say there's two choices: if any of the following conditions are met, or if all are met. This is programming now, by the way. You're learning logic. Any me is like or. If any of these are true, then do that. All means everything has to be true. So it has to be from Jane. And it has to be come in on a weekday or whatever. You know, you can <clears throat> do all of these things with it. Might as well write her a letter. <laughs> yeah, you might just send a, get a stamp and an envelope and a and a and a quill pen. Let's just make it easy, and then move message. I don't see a way to say a message is not spam. They really ought to have that. Apple. This is why I don't use mail. This is actually a very simplified rules. And I use rules heavily. This is turns out to be a <clears throat> real black diamond tip. The rules are the best thing in the world because the rules I do on my email are so many and so complex. And it's the only way I can handle email at all, you know. But if they give you decent choices to make the rules. Yeah. You know, they, they're missing the key choice, which is don't mark it as spam. That's really, that's all you want, but they don't have that. That's all I want. And and you'd think that in the email page right there where it says not spam and you put it not. You'd think. You'd think it would understand that. Yes. Otherwise, why put that feature? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Computers suck. Just get a pen and paper. Forget <laughs> it. Forget it. It, I know. I'll, 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 I'll try some more. You but i so to think like a programmer. Happy to talk to you. We, I listen to you all the time. Oh, I don't thank I, you, Linda. Half of what I hear, but I love to listen. It's, it's someday it'll all sink in, and you're going to be a nerd. I know, <laughs> a geek. A geek. <laughs> Thanks, Linda. Thank you. Have Leo. a great day. Have a nice trip too. Thank you. I will. I'm sure of it. Bye bye. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We talk about tech each week here. Computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smart watches. But the most important thing we do is is answer your questions and help you use technology better online, too. Right now, David's in Frederick, Maryland. I think he is. Let me press the button. There we go. Hi, David. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Leo. Welcome. Thanks for hanging on. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. What can I do for you today? Say, 
had a question. Um, if I have bad cell phone reception, is there some way to connect my cell phone hardwired to my router so I can get the data? Wouldn't that be cool? So you don't care about phone calls? You're just talking about data? Yeah. The easiest way to do that was Wi-Fi. Do you have a Wi-Fi router? Yeah, I was hoping if you knew how to hardwire You it. want to hardwire it because it'll be faster. Yeah. Um, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, mo I mean, when I'm at home, I'm using my internet at home instead of the LTE connection because I'm on Wi-Fi. Well, and that's pretty darn fast. Is, is it the speed that you want of wired? Yeah, exactly. So what you would need is something that... Let me just think about this. <laughs> you need... So your your router is giving you Ethernet. So you put a plug in an Ethernet cable. And if you had a laptop with an Ethernet port, you just plug it into it. But your phone doesn't. Your phone has a USB-C port. If there was support in the operating system for connecting uh, via USB an Ethernet port, yeah, you could do it. You know, you can buy, and a lot of people on their laptops use USB Ethernet dongles. One end is USB, you plug it in the laptop. The other end is Ethernet, you plug it into the router. Um, all right, Sandblaster in our chat room says he's found... Is it, a, is it uh, Android or iOS you want to do this with? Android. Android. Um... And what kind of Android phone is it? A, is it a Samsung? Uh, Motorola. Motorola. Because Samsung, you could do that with the Dex, which was Samsung's weird way of docking a, a Samsung phone and making it a desktop computer. And I'm pretty sure one of the connectors on that is Ethernet. Uh, Lightning to RJ45 Ethernet LAN wired network adapter. Lightning. Yeah. So there is somebody on Amazon for twenty three bucks selling one for iOS. I would look for a dock. You need a type the USB port, uh, or not the US? Yeah, the USB port on the back of the router. So there's some way to connect that. No, that no. So one of the yeah, that seems like that would be sensible. You got USB on your phone. You got USB on the router. The problem is USB doesn't work that way. USB is a master. Well, I don't want to say master slave. Let's say client server, where one of the devices is the is in charge is the master in this case it'd be the router and the other device plugged into that router usb port is dumb is a hard drive a data source but you want two masters you want a smart computer attached to a the usb port of the of a smart router that that is not what usb is for it's one of the reasons we like thunderbolt 3 we liked firewire those are peer-to-peer connections now you'd have to use ethernet to usb-c on your motorola your motorola would have to have a usb-c driver for ethernet so this is the problem with most mobile devices they may have a port but if you plug something in would they understand it recent example the ipad which has a nice type c port you should be able in theory to put a usb drive on there but no go until Apple came out with iPad OS, iOS 13 and later. And that added driver support for storage devices. So all of a sudden, same hardware, new operating system, you could plug a USB key or a USB hard drive into that iPad port and it would understand. It would say, oh, I see a hard drive. That's because it lacked the driver until then. My guess is most phones don't expect you to plug an Ethernet cable into them. 
So they probably don't have drivers to do it. So you could buy, in fact, somebody in the chat room has pulled up a USB-C to Ethernet adapter. But those are generally intended to be add an Ethernet to a laptop. I don't know. I don't think that would work with your phone. Now, wait a minute. Now, this says Galaxy S8 and S9. That's probably because of DeX. So it, I don't know about Motorola. Again, it's going to be, it's really a limitation of your of your device and your manufacturer. So this is interesting. Eric Duckman has, in the chat room, posted a link to a $12 device from TechKey. has USB-C on one side, the kind of thing that would be on the bottom of your phone, and Ethernet jack on the other side. Normally you'd think, well, you just put that on a laptop, and it's like having your, an Ethernet port on your laptop. But it says in the description, works with the Galaxy S9 and S8. And I'm thinking that's because of DeX. That's that's kind of what happened. That's kind of what happened uh, with DeX, was it, they wanted to make these phones more like a desktop computer. So obviously Samsung put some drivers on there. I don't know and I doubt if Motorola has done that. So what you what you kind of want to do is look for Motorola drivers for Ethernet. I'm honestly, no, even if you got all this working, it wouldn't be any faster than Wi-Fi. <laughs> I, would just, I would just turn on Wi-Fi. And uh, it's my guess the, these things don't exist because nobody's asked for them. You're the one. Line three, Jim, Spring Hill, Florida. Hello, Jim, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Thanks for hanging on. Thanks. Uh, I have a problem with Windows 10 and the latest build. You're not alone, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I do the recording and uh, audio video all that for our church on Sundays. Oh, that's great. And that's it, great. it is uh, disabling my audio. So I have deleted it and reinstalled it. I've downloaded the latest driver. What I end up having to do every week for the last several weeks is revert the computer to the prior bill. Oh, man. Is this is the this night service comes around? It's already telling me it it's updates ready for the update, oh. and it will only let me defer it for seven days. Is this nineteen oh three that you're getting? Is that what's doing it? I, I'm not sure what it. It's whatever the latest build is. Yeah, I mean nineteen oh nine is going to be out, or sometimes they call it nineteen H two is going to be out any minute now. But uh, I'm guessing that you're probably getting nineteen oh three which is a big feature update, and you're right, they don't let you defer it for very long, although they're going to increase that length to a month, but that's still not much of a solution for you. And you're no. saying when you install 1903, it disables your audio. Yeah, I can't record. You can see it in the, uh, in the device man or in the uh, recording uh, uh, settings, but it's grayed out, so I can't enable it. So I've gone into Device Manager and completely deleted it, rebooted. That didn't do it. I no. downloaded the. So there is there is a known there is a known problem with 1903 that has caused audio issues with games, and I'm not sure if it's related. But uh, I know I'm not the only person. Yeah. Seeing page after page, and nobody has a solution. I was hoping you did. Well, I, I I guess what I would say, and do this on a Monday, <laughs> so you have time to get it working by Sunday, uh, do put on 1903 and then get all the subsequent updates. 
uh, I'm looking at a page, and this this is from Bleeping Computer, and this they fixed. Lawrence Abrams posted this September 26th, so a few weeks ago, only recently. Remember, 1903 came out in May. They fixed it in September. KB four five one five three eight four at least fixes the sound issues with games, and I'm wouldn't be surprised if it's related. In fact, it fixes a lot of things. They call these the cumulative updates for 1903. So what you could do or what you could try, boy, that's frustrating, is is put 1903 on. That's going to break your sound. And then make sure you get all the subsequent cumulative updates. They won't offer those to you until you already installed 1903. Otherwise, I wouldn't say to do that. But see if clearly if this is a problem, Microsoft will have fixed it at some point. Well, yeah, when I do the re- uh, revert to the previous build, it asks me why I'm doing it. Good. You so keep I'm telling them because you broke is. it. You broke it. You broke it. <laughs> you broke it. And obviously, nobody's listening. Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you do it and then you do all the cumulative updates, including this one that just came out about four weeks ago, maybe that'll fix it. it you, the reason is you wouldn't know it'll fix it until you do it all. you got to catch up. And just cross your fingers. That's generally the advice. If you have trouble with a Microsoft update, just do all the updates. And if it's still causing problems, well, (laughs) then I don't know what you do. Then you roll it back again. But uh, I would at least try that. Thank you for the call. I'm sorry. That stinks. Anybody knows, call me, 8888-ASK-LEO. Or better yet, go to the website, techguylabs.com. That's a place you can, after the fact, see all the stuff we said See our show notes. And then, if you've got a fix or an idea, fix it. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. A little break. We'll be back with more of the Tech Guy in just a bit. Our show today brought to you by Zapier. We are big Zapier fans. I have been a Zapier user for five years, six years. I can't remember how long. Zapier automates all the things I I don't want to do, the the, the repetitive, boring tasks. I get Zapier to do it, and I can forget about it. It just happens automatically. Look, you're working hard. You don't have to waste hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your CRM or wherever you need it to go. You need Zapier. Perfect example. I get up in the morning. I've got to go through all the tech news, right? Make sure that we find the stories that we're going to cover on our shows today and uh, for the week ahead. I wrote a Zapier script. I've been using it for a long time now. As soon as I bookmark a website or a story in uh, my browser, or if I favorite it in my newsreader, I just click the little star, Zapier leaps into action. and automatically takes that bookmark, puts it on Pinboard, tweets it to links for Twit, and puts it in a Google spreadsheet for Karsten so he can get the rundowns together. And it does that with one zap. That's what's cool about Zapier, multi-step zaps. So you can have one trigger do a whole bunch of stuff. It really is time-saving. And Zapier integrates with more apps than anybody else. 1,500 apps, services, websites, everything you use, great for home automation. It's the easiest way to automate your life, your work, your house. Focus on what matters most. Connect all your business software to Zapier. We use Salesforce. Works great with Salesforce. We use uh, G Suite. Works great with G Suite. Uh, you can you know do things like engage your leads instantly the minute somebody you know becomes a lead you get it they get a custom email that zapier builds for you you can automatically get new customers into your crm 
just import them automatically. You can notify your team. Hey, we got a new lead with a new customer. Here's the opportunity. It all happens automatically. And that's important because that's busy work. You don't need to do it over and over again. Anytime you're doing something more than once, I want you to make a zap. Go to Zapier and you don't need the you don't need your engineers or your developers to do it. You can do it. It's easy. It's easy. Go to zapier.com slash tech guy. Connect the apps you use most often. Let Zapier take it from there. You can do it. You know, four and a half million people use Zapier. They can do it. You can do it. Four and a half million people. And I got to tell you, on average, (laughs) this is mind boggling. The average Zapier customer saves 40 hours a month. That's a whole work week just by using Zapier. That's 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 a week of your life you get back every month. With Zapier, you get more time to grow your business, more time to do what you want. Right now through November, try Zapier free for two weeks. Go to zapier.com slash techguy, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash techguy. Free 14-day trial, zapier.com slash techguy. Thank you, Zapier, for making my life easier and for supporting our Tech Guy podcast. Thank you for supporting the podcast by going to zapier.com slash techguy. And now, on with the show. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. On with the show we go. David is in Bethesda. Hello, David. Is this David? Did I? Oh, no, it's Edward. Sorry, David. I'll get to you next. Edward in L.A. Hello, Edward. Hey, Leo. How are you doing? What a delight to speak with you. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm honored. Thank you. Yes. Well, I have a I, I might have bitten off a little bit more than I can chew. So, uh. I, have I, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> I do it all the I have time. A cousin. Yes. Yeah. I have a cousin, and her husband was in a motorcycle accident. Mm. And unfortunately, so he lost an arm in that accident. Oh, God. And his other arm was so severely damaged from nerve damage that it is non functional as oh. well. So he, in essence, has no movable arms or functioning arms. Uh, my son and I used to do cosplay of, uh, when he was in his mid teens, and he's in college now. So we had to let that go for a while but we were really good at it i mean what did you t- we, what did you dress we, up as i uh, we did some iron man costumes oh. and some halo master chief costumes. oh that's serious and, those are armor that's serious costuming and, and they looked really good i mean they looked like movie studio quality costumes wow what did you make them out so, of um, pardon, pardon me what did you make them out of we made them out of that foam material that that matting that uh, my son had looked into it and he nice. told me, well, can you help me make one of these? And I told him, I have no idea how to do this. And then he started looking into it. And I did some art school years ago when I was younger. And talk I, about biting off more than you can chew. Yeah. Let's well, make an yeah. Iron Man costume. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So it came out really quite good. Actually. Oh, that's so really cool. good. So you think about fabricating yeah. something for your cousin's husband? Well, she, she, his wife called me up and asked me, can you make him a dummy arm that looks like the Winter Soldier? Just so that he has something there. Oh, how cool. And I, took, I, I spoke with my son who's done a couple of years of engineering. And I have a computer programming, programming degree from many years ago. Many years ago. And I told him, you know, if we put a little thought to this, we probably can make this functional. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And we were thinking of putting some motors in there or servos in it and hooking it up to our, an Arduino. The, the, the problem that we have is trying to figure out how to make it work and or function. And we were thinking of maybe putting some paddles around his head. Let me he point kind of lean you, on it. I interviewed a, a father 
whose daughter uh, had lost an arm. And he didn't know anything about this. And he said, I'm going to make you an arm. He 3D printed her a functioning arm. And I think he I think he has now made a company out of this because I'm looking online at openbionics.com. And the he- I, yeah, the hero oh, yeah. arm. But if you search for 3D printed arms, you'll see a lot of people are trying stuff like this. You can get the 3D printed prosthetic uh, hero arm now in the United States if you're interested, but it's probably fairly expensive. But I wouldn't I would kind of check into this has become a big maker area. People are making prosthetics themselves. 3D printers. The uh, students at the University of California in San Francisco are trying to make an inexpensive 3D printed arm for kids. They have a YouTube video on how they're doing it. So there are this is you are entering an interesting area but it is not it is well trod now. There are a lot of people doing this. And it really would depend on how functional you wanted to make it. Uh, of course, yeah, remember, want- if it's going to be a functional prosthetic, it has to somehow be controlled by his nerve endings, right? Well, we were thinking of doing something a little bit different because that, that was the key. How can he make it work for him? Right. And we were thinking about uh, voice command. So that's, Great that's idea. what we're getting to. Great yeah, idea. That's where we're getting to now because he doesn't have any arms or hands that can function. The way the hero was- arm works is it has sensors that go on the shoulder muscle, whatever is left of that area. And those sensors can sense the contractions and actually translate it into hand motions. So, yeah, he, he, he's really, really in bad shape. Oh, and, poor and my guy. son was talking about that. Oh. We were thinking of putting those sensors on other parts of his body, on his right. chest, yeah. back. All kinds of different places, but that's one one option for us. But I was really trying to think about the, the voice command and how to. I love that idea. A, micro, a, 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 a voice command so, into some type of maybe an Arduino. Yeah, Raspberry Pi probably. Uh, there are Raspberry Pi projects that will build an Amazon Echo or similar voice control into a Raspberry Pi. Uh, a friend of mine actually has a project it's intended for kids but it might be exactly uh what you want to do uh it's a indiegogo project right now let me just see see if i can find the name because i've forgotten the name but uh, mike elgin's son kevin elgin has created in order to teach kids about voice assistance he's created something called chatterbox now this isn't an arm this is just a build-it-yourself smart speaker but it's inexpensive. Okay. It runs on a Raspberry Pi. It would be a great beginning to what you want to do. You know, so take a look at that. And Kevin's done a really neat job. This is the idea is that kids are going to grow up in a world with voice assistants. They should know a little yeah. bit about them. Yeah, and you know, interesting enough, my son he did a couple of years in engineering and he didn't like that, unfortunately. And he was really good at it. So he decided to do industrial design. And he's incredibly good Perfect. at 3D modeling. Perfect. Yeah, and so he can model the parts that we need to fabricate through the 3D printing process. So we feel this that we're sounds in a like really good such space. a great yeah. project. Certainly, you could easily do a prosthetic arm that's purely cosmetic. But I think I love this idea. Don't give up on the idea of muscle control because 
uh, a lot of these arms, like the hero arm, are, are work quite well with little muscle sensors that uh, he can learn to control. The brain is an amazingly plastic organ. It, it can really, it can be as easy for him as controlling his own arm was once he kind of does it a while. So I wouldn't yeah. abandon that. It might be more convenient for him to do that than say pick up thing because remember he can give a voice command he's got a spoon in front of him he can give a voice command to the arm that says pick up the spoon but the arm doesn't know where the spoon is doesn't know how to pinch it doesn't really know what to do if he uses his muscles to move the arm to position the fingers to close the fingers and to raise the arm that might be a better control surface for him than just voice you see what i'm saying I see. In fact, my son was trying to get me to go that way, and I was thinking of the voice. And I was, different options. We might even build more. Do both. <laughs> Do both. Yeah. I yeah. love this idea. I want you to call me back after you've done this, Edward, or after you've started working. The other thing that happened with this father and daughter that we interviewed, this was on the new screensavers, and I'll put a link to uh, that show in the show notes, is that he had no experience, no ability, no idea how to go about this, but he posted it on Facebook and ended up getting a whole community of people together to create this prosthetic limb for his daughter that she uses, that works, 3D printed. So this is totally doable, totally doable. And what a great father-son project. And it'd be good on his resume, too. That's what I was thinking as well, way down the line. (laughs) Way down the line. Well, it's a great mitzvah, too, for your your cousin's uh, husband. Hey, thank you so much. I love that idea. Good luck. Keep up the good work. Leo Laporte. The Tech Guy. I am Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. He's been everywhere. It's Johnny Jet. JohnnyJet.com. Hello, JJ. Oh, Leo, how you doing? Our traveling man. You you are you're getting out and about and all over the place. Um, but you're not gonna be doing it in Uber. What's going on at LAX? What the heck? Um so Actually, this week, in a few days, October 29th, um, LAX has just announced, a few weeks ago, they announced that they're going to reduce traffic and enhance the guest experience during the heavy construction, what's going on oh. till 2023. Ew. So, from now until 2023, you cannot get an Uber or a Lyft when you, at curbside. They'll, they'll still drop you off at curbside, but... If you want one, you have to walk um, to a parking lot that's east of Terminal 1. I think it's where the old parking spot – not parking spot. Um, the cell, the cell park- parking or whatever. No, it, it, it used to be a rental car. Um, oh. Not a rental – sorry. You have to, to walk? You have to walk to it? No, they have shuttle buses every three to five minutes. Oh, okay. But if you're, if you're going from Terminal 1, which is Southwest Airlines, it's you obviously want to walk because um, it's going to be like it's a, right a, a four-walk. Okay. And they were saying, actually, if you're going at Terminal 4, which is American Airlines, which is what I fly a lot, that's the furthest terminal, and that's about a 15 to 20-minute walk. So the, the way congestion is at LAX, I think I would actually still rather walk it. but Or fly to Burbank. Think, well... <laughs> I'm yeah. going to John Wayne. I this, I'm going to Long Beach. Forget it. There's been a problem with LAX just you know recently in the last year or so. It it can take up to 30 minutes once you get to the airport just to get around oh, to I the know. terminals. That's crazy. I so I usually go to arrivals. Do you think the, the construction will fix this? Oh yeah, I think um, because what they're going to do is everyone's going to have to now um, take a people mover 
you know, I think it's in 2023 yeah. when it opens up. That's what up, it's like in Denver and a lot of airports. A, they're going to have yeah. a, um, yeah, they're going to have a dedicated app, a dedicated uh, app. They're going to have a dedicated uh, spot. Oh. So everyone's going to take the train and then you're going to get picked up there. They're, it's going to really alleviate all the, all the but for um, now, buses, all the rent-a-car buses. They're going to have their own rent-a-car spot. So it's not going to be all around town like it is now. It's going to be so, – LAX is definitely going to be one of the best airports. But it's going to take uh, – 2023. So what's your suggestion in the meantime? Go to arrivals? Well, no. If, 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 if When you're arriving in LAX, if you want a um, Lyft or an Uber, yeah. you're either going to walk to Terminal 1 and to the parking lot past that – and they're going to have food trucks, by the way. They're going to try, and they're going to have a piano player, which I don't think anyone wants a piano player. Oh, that'll but make it okay. But yeah. honey, we can get a taco and listen to Moonlight Sonata before we get in Aruba. Well, I think have a Koji taco truck. That's that's going to help. But um, <laughs> Ooh, that would be good. What, what you're going to want to do is, um, you know, you can, what I what I I don't know if I should be telling people this, but I think people are going to jump onto hotel buses, shuttles. Yes. yes. The first one they're going to see, yes. and they're going to then order an uber from that hotel and which is what we used to do in the old days before they allowed uber in there that's a clever but, idea and the other thing is you know what i do fortunately i i work with a uh, black lane which is a uh, limousine company and limousines can still pick up curbside so limousine companies are going to um are going to be that's, uh, kinda, that's prejudiced against uber and lyft well, the thing is about Uber and Lyft is that they could only pick up and drop off at departures level. That's why it's always been so crowded. So uh, I would tell people to go to arrivals, even if you're going, even if you're taking off, because you just go up the escalator or an elevator, and it will really uh, leave traffic. But um, I don't know how much is going to leave traffic because they're still allowing them to drop off. And Johnny it doesn't make- is an LAX professional. He's a trained well, yeah, I, 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 professional. I did a commercial for LAX. I know. And uh, I I love LAX. People hate LAX, but if you get to know it, and if you don't have to deal with that traffic coming in, it is going to be. I just used the uh, up here in San Francisco, the new Terminal 1. They rebuilt Terminal 1 for uh, JetBlue, and it is so nice. It is Is so nice. I think they did a really. Terminal 2 was my favorite up there with America. That was new, too. I guess they're redoing all the terminals bit by bit. Terminal 2 was the old new terminal. Now they got a new, new terminal. And I think they're going to do that. They're doing the same thing with Uber and yeah. Lyft as well. You know, the congestion, if you look at what's happened in Manhattan and New York City ever since Uber and Lyft came along, they, they've they destroyed traffic in the, in Manhattan. You just can't – take you an hour to get anywhere. I mean, that's why I always tell people to pack light, carry on only because that way you can take – a subway, I, you know, when I'd fly to JFK, Subway's I would, solution. Yep. if I'm by myself, I will take the subway, yep. um, you know, and you jump, you go to Jamaica station, jump on the E train and then jump on one of the well, subways. Where That's my problem with JFK. You have to change trains on the way in. I mean, listen, New York City is one of the best cities in the world, but they have one of the worst transportations tuned from the airport. Why don't they have a direct yeah, shot? I, I, I just don't understand. I, mean, I understand. The older it, the... Boston rebuilt everything. They did the big dig. They put the thing under the water. They've got a great train now from uh, downtown to the airport. They did it right. They fixed it, but it was broken for years. Well, I think it's because of the taxi unions in New York City that won't allow it because uh, so much business uh, and the limousine companies. So you got an app for us, sir? Oh, by the way, but Uber just launched a helicopter now to JFK. This will not fly. This is a bad idea. (laughs) 
Well, you have to be lower than um, Houston Street for to for even to show well, up in your app. That's where the app. heliports so you, are. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're on Thirty Fourth, but I mean, you still should yeah. be able to take it from the Upper East Side if you want to drive it. But they'll range for your car service and the helicopter. But um, you know, I've taken the helicopter between them, not an Uber copter. I've taken other ones. That's and when you feel cheating. rich, right? When you're riding in a helicopter to the airport. Well, it's eight minutes. Yeah. It's eight minutes. It's beautiful views if it's a yeah. sunny day yeah. or a clear day. And um, it is a great way to How much? Uh, go beach. Well, it all depends. I mean, I think it's 195 they're saying right now, which some car services are $150, depending on the car service. Well, um, cab's like 50 or 60 so it's expensive. Usually. Yeah. JFK is way out of town. It doesn't save that much time. It's really to have that experience because just to, to book yourself a um, sightseeing flight with a helicopter which is only you know 10 minutes long anyway it's it's even more money so it's actually a great way to get a get a little bit of uh, a view of the city although they're not going to go to the um, the hot spots i'll tell lisa she's going to manhattan uh, next week for uh, to meet with clients i'll say take an uber copter well check because some of them actually really restrict i don't know about she uber, loves helicopters know- she's just i'll do anything to get in a helicopter well, Blade restricts your baggage to, I think, 20 pounds, which is – that's what my carry-on weighs pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So you got you to always look at that. App. Do we Give have me an app. For we got time for an app. we got two minutes. Give me an app. Okay. There's one called Enlight Quick Shot. It's for iOS. It was actually um, – so if you ever go – if you're ever traveling somewhere and the – and the clouds or the sky is not looking too great, you can go in and tweak it and put the clouds that you want. And this one Instagrammer actually made this this famous um, because she kept using them. She had the and same cloud they, in every picture. They called her out on it. Do you know yep, what I'm talking about? I do. But she said, I never tried to hide it. And I think that people shouldn't try to hide it. But I, what I like about this app is that, you know, if you are uh, traveling somewhere and you really want to have a nice picture at your house – you know why don't why not sub the uh, a blue sky in there for a cloudy one, and uh, and then put blow it up and put it on your wall. I mean, it, it, so it costs three ninety nine for a single month or nineteen ninety nine for twelve months. I or am fifty nine ninety nine. I am limited. off Johnny Jet to uh, a cruise in the Middle East. We're gonna, fl- you know, it's kind of fun. We're flying all the way around the world because we're flying San Francisco to Athens. The boat Athens to Dubai, and the, then the, then from Dubai to Hong Kong, and home. So I will be going on an around the so world journey sorry, next week. Are you going to stop in Hong Kong or not? No, I don't have time. I'll look out no. the window. Hey, but, what are you flying Espo to Athens? Is that Emirates? Lufthansa. Oh, so you got to stop in uh, Frankfurt or Munich. München. But okay. uh, Rich Demur will be here next week. I hope you will uh, come back with more great travel tips if people are. Interested? JohnnyJet.com is the website. The travel newsletter, a great way to get travel deals last minute, that kind of thing. And, of course, lots of great articles. He's also on Twitter, at JohnnyJet and Instagram, too. Thank you, JJ. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Have a great trip. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, on the phone right now. Line four, David in Bethesda. Thanks for hanging on, David. Oh, thanks for having me, Leo. My pleasure. What can I do for you? Uh, Yes, my landlord has a... Internet service from Xfinity, and it looks like they combine the router and the cable modem into one. Is yes. that common? It's very common. And I'll tell you why you don't want to do it. A, you're, I don't know if you or the landlord are paying for that, but if you're paying for it, you're renting it. And it's expensive. Okay. <laughs> like 10 bucks a month. That's okay. one reason to do your own. 
because in the long run you save. If you're going to be there less than a year or two, then it might not be worth it. So that's something to keep right. in mind. The other reason you don't want to, well, there's a couple of reasons. Another reason, one is, uh, another one is that often those, the cable modem will be fine, but the router that comes with the cable modem often isn't as, as modern or as up-to-date or as fully features as one you might want or buy. For instance, it's not a mesh router, so some people like mesh routers. Uh, it may not have built-in features that other routers off the shelf have. The third problem I have with Xfinity is... And one of the reasons this is common, it's something Xfinity wants to do. You may not know this, but Xfinity is trying to create a cell phone network. Yeah. And the way they're doing it is by taking everybody who has an Xfinity Wi-Fi router and splitting off part of that router and letting other people get on it. So right. you've created, every t unless you disable it, which you can do on the router, you create a, a public network on your network that people can use as they travel around town. Now, you get the benefit also because as an Xfinity customer, you can log into those around town as well. But And and Xfinity says, no, no, they have no access to your data. It's not like they're on your network. They're not using any of your limit, your bandwidth limit. But honestly, they are using your bandwidth, whether they say so or not. You have a certain amount of bandwidth coming into your house. They're using some of it. Uh, in in your case, if you're in an apartment, pro it's probably not people on the street. It's probably other people in the apartment building. Right. Well, it's all one unit. It's a router and modem combined. Yeah, yeah, and that's the one that they do that with. Okay. So you can replace that entirely. You can, if you wish, go out and buy a cable modem. Xfinity has a list of all the cable modems you can buy. I use a Netgear, but uh, uh, there are quite a few different brands that are quite good. I use the Netgear that was recommended by the wire cutter. That's plug and play. You plug that in, and then you can buy a router. And you plug it in the router. And by having separate units, I think it gives you a little more control, a little more flexibility, and it's going to be a better quality router. I had a question. I have an Asus RTAC 1200 router. How do I tell if the, that's an up-to-date router? Um, the main thing you do is is plug it in and see if they've got a firmware update for it. Get the latest firmware. You could also do that on the website. I like Asus routers a lot. Okay. What's the, what's the model number again? RTAC 1200. Yeah, so 1200 means that it's not, uh, it doesn't use, it's not tri-band. It's only using two right. bands. Um, it may be new or it may not. You should see what the latest firmware is for it. And if the firmware is a couple of years old, it might be worth getting a new one. But since you already have that, all you need to do is spend 100 bucks on a cable modem and you could eliminate the rental fee. Now, the one thing you're going to have to do, though, when you get the new cable modem is you have to call Xfinity. Nobody likes doing this. I, dr I shiver with fright when I think of having to call Comcast for tech support. But you're going to have to and tell them, I'm putting a new cable modem in. And they have to ping it because they have uh, – they, what they do is they, they make a note of the cable – the MAC address of the cable modem you've been using. And you can't just swap in a new one. They have to ping it and find out what the new MAC address is and, and then add that to the database. So okay. so you will have to call them. It's a pretty quick and easy procedure. Most of the time it doesn't take a long call. They'll understand. You just say, here's the modem, modem, the model number. Do stay on the line with them until that modem is working, until the lights are blinking properly. Okay. Uh, and then you'll be up and running and you just plug in whatever router you want. You could start with the AC1200, see if it works. See if it's got gives you everything you need. Is how big is the apartment? 
Oh, uh, not very big. It's like 500 square It's probably feet. fine. Tell me all you need. So just plug in the plug in the, the AC twelve hundred and the firmware should update automatically. Yeah, well, it may or may not be automatically. Older ones, you had to go out look and see if there was firmware, and you had to press an update button. Okay. But do update it. You always want to update the router firmware. There have been lots of security flaws in routers in the last few years, and you'll want to get all the fixes going. Okay. All right. Thank you, Lee. You're welcome. I think this is a good idea. Now, when you're running, it's a little different because you may not stay there forever. But remember, you're going to keep that router and modem, your brand your brand new cable modem. You're going to keep that. When you move, you're going to move to the next place and use that instead. <clears throat> so that means that eliminates that 10 buck or more rental fee that the cable company charges. So you can see even in a year, you're going to pay for that new cable modem easily. Uh, and I just like you get it's more modern. Do get a cable modem that's recommended by the cable company. They all they all have a list of approved cable modems, and then I would go to the wire cutter and look at reviews. Uh, that's why I bought the uh, the neck gear that I bought, and I've been very happy with it. Um, you want something that's Doxis three. That's the standard D O C S I S Doxis three or three point one, which is the new coming standard. That way, it'll support all the speeds the uh, cable company offers. Line two is Carl in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Hello, Carl. Oops. And uh, I'm 82, and uh, parts and wheels are falling off. But <laughs> my, I know, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I still have the enthusiasm. Nice. I can't, uh, I can't read the. I can't do the keyboard for two reasons. Um, one, I have spasms, and the other thing is. I can't use these trifocals. Looking up and down, I have a... Oh, it's hard, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To skip that to the point is, um, I've been listening and listening and reading your memos for a, a recognition program. I have uh, uh, <clears throat> my, uh, the uh, Microsoft 10, Windows 10, I'm sorry, Windows 10 in both my laptop here and my PC. And... Um, and the one that's on my laptop, uh, it doesn't work a darn. I might as well be speaking Chinese to it. And I practiced and practiced. So you're using so the I, built-in Microsoft speech recognition? That's the one that's yeah. working. That's yeah. correct. So is there anything you can recommend? Um, I've gone to different uh, websites, but turns out that they're, uh, I, I can't do that very well. I keep getting these business. I know. You don't want that. So this used to be a very vital area uh, with lots of competitors. Learnout and Housepeed, Microsoft bought them. Dragon, naturally speaking, Nuance bought them. Basically, there's only a few companies now that make these. And and what used to be a very active arena is, is limited pretty much because all of the Development, at least in the States, is being done by Google, Amazon for their voice assistants, and Microsoft for Windows. There is one. Yeah, well, but see, none of them, what you want is something that will run as software on your machine, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I have. So there's only, Nuance bought the best of them all, which is called Dragon Naturally Speaking. And that's the yeah. That's the problem. If if the Microsoft one isn't working for you, and by the way, I found it works pretty well for me. So uh, maybe something about your voice it doesn't like or whatever. But the best of Mm -hmm. them out there is Dragon. Naturally speaking, they have a consumer version which is less expensive. Don't get the 
You know, don't get the healthcare version or the business version. You want the cheapest one, which is the professional individual, I would guess. Um, and and that it's still expensive though. It's three hundred bucks, which is an awful lot of money. But that's probably the best speech recognition out there. Um, it I would say even is as good as anything else uh, anybody makes, including Google. Uh, looks like they have a dragon anywhere. This is, must be new. Oh, that's for mobile. Yeah, that's for Android and iOS. So that's not going to solve your problem. I guess it's dragon, um, dragon professional individual, which is three hundred smackers. Well, wait a minute. There's dragon home. Oh, here we go. Dragon home for hundred fifty bucks. That's the one to get. Still expensive, but it's less expensive than the professional version. I don't think you need that. Dragon Home from Nuance.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Before we uh, before we finish the tech guy show, we got still lots of calls to go, lots of good stuff. But I do want to tell you, I know still, and it makes me nuts. There's still plenty of you using the same password or a variation of the same password on site after site after site. That's so dangerous, so insecure. Um, LastPass is a password vault and password generator that helps you and makes it very easy to have unique, long, completely unmemorable passwords for every site, every application. The beauty is LastPass will remember it. You don't have to. All you have to remember is your master password. And LastPass does so much to secure your password vault, including two-factor authentication. I, For my LastPass vault, I use the uh, my YubiKey. If you don't have this, you can't log in to my last pass. That's how I like it. That's how I like it. Uh, but they support a lot of other authentication methods. Uh, I, you know, we use it for business, too. In fact, one of the things we require, business has a lot of nice features that let us, you know, say what the security will be. We require all of our uh, our uh, employees to do two-factor authentication. That's, that's part of it. They have to have a strong password. Password resets because people forget them, right? But we handle that. And there's some new features in LastPass you're going to love. LastPass Enterprise, this is part of their new uh, expanded business lineup. Features that are going to do two things that are normally mutually incompatible. Make you more secure and make your employees happier. Make it easier, easier for them, more convenient. I'll give you an example. LastPass Enterprise now includes single sign-on, 1,200 plus SAML integrated apps, and by the way, you don't have to worry about training your employees. Each has its own getting started guide. They'll find it very easy to set up and get running. And then instead of having to remember a password or fill in a password or do anything, they press a button on their phone. It says, did you just try to log in to QuickBooks? And you say, yep, <clears throat> you're done. So amazingly, it's easier for them. They re- Our employees love it. And it's more secure for you. Who to thunk it? I, you know. Those, those are usually mutually incompatible. They also are using uh, multi-factor authentication now, MFA, which leverages additional things like biometrics, face, fingerprint, uh, contextual factors like location or your IP address to really make sure that the people who are logging into your most vital stuff, your website, your databases, your, your checkbook, those are the people who should have access, not, not bad guys. They call it LastPass Identity, a combination of LastPass Enterprise LPE and LastPass Multi-Factor LPMFA. They got it covered. From single sign-on, password management, to adaptive authentication, LastPass 
gives your IT department granular control and gives your users frictionless access all in one simple secure solution. It is heaven. And we've been using it here for years. I use LastPass at home. One thing that you're going to really like is and, and maybe enforce it at your work is the security challenge. I do this, you know, every few months. I run through it. LastPass will show you where you need to make changes to improve your security passwords that have been seen in breaches, passwords that are used more than once, passwords that aren't strong. They scan them all, look at length, uniqueness, strength. You'll get an overall score, but you'll see also detailed results of each account, and you'll know which passwords you got to fix, and it actually automate that process too. I just, LastPass, that's all I can say, just LastPass. Why aren't you using it? From authentication to access to passwords, LastPass manages every entry point to your business. So you can mitigate risk and improve employee productivity. It's magic. Visit lastpass.com slash twit to find out how they can help you. That's lastpass.com slash twit. And now back to the tech guy. Well, hey, hey, hey. How are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smartwatches, all that jazz. We talk about it each and every week here. Help you with your issues help you understand what's new, talk about all the computer news. Got lots of calls, and I want to get back to the phone, starting with Jim in Santa Clarita, California. Hello, Jim. Hi, Leo. How are you? Very, very well. How are you? I'm great. Great to talk to you. Uh, You've been a wonderful help over the years to us idiots trying to work through the high-tech world. (laughs) Hey, let me tell you, Jim, we're all idiots when it comes to the high-tech world. (laughs) It's all just a matter of just kind of everybody helping everybody else because this stuff is awful. So what's what's your tale of woe today? So it's a relatively simple question, and I I can't help but think that millions of people have this issue. I've got a 10-year-old, you know, Mac sitting on my desk. Yeah. Uh, that's slowing down dramatically. And as soon as I can convince my wife that we need to get a new one, I'm going to. Although I know a lot of people still using their 2009 Max. You know, it, it works. It's just slow. It's chunky. You know, yeah. 30 seconds for something that should take a half a second. And it's, you know, a lot of restarting and all of that. Um, uh, I'm concerned, of course, that any day it's going to, you know, crash on me. And uh, well, the good news, it's a wonderful time to buy a Mac. <laughs> it certainly is, and I've taken your advice to back all my stuff up back. To, good, uh, um, you know, offline. That's good, the name of the company right now. But at any rate, <clears throat> so my, here's what I'm envisioning: I got all this stuff on my existing computer. You know, a hundred, a uh, thousand word docs, pictures, et cetera, et cetera, and. Uh, I'm going to go buy a new one. I'll go to the Mac store and buy a new one and bring it home. And now I've got this computer with all of my stuff on it, with all of my programs, with my Microsoft Office, all of that. What do I do? How do I get all of that onto my new computer? Apple has solved this for you. Oh. Because they know this happens. The first thing that will happen when you set up this brand new Mac, it will say, would you like me to set up based on a previous Mac? And you said, yes, I would like that. And there'll be a variety of different ways you can do it with a USB cable, with an Ethernet cable over the air. But it will offer. And so you'll put the two, to, you'll connect the two together with a cable. And it'll say, oh, I see your other Mac. You'll have to launch, and it'll explain how to do this, but you'll have to launch yep. the tool on the old Mac. And it'll say, oh, I see the old Mac. And then it'll say, okay, I see this many applications, this many files. It'll say everything it sees, and you can check. There'll be boxes you can check or uncheck, and you can wow. copy your stuff over. And it makes it wow. very simple. Now, 
That's the official way to do it, and I would absolutely do that. It's still not a bad idea uh, to get a, a external hard drive right now and copy that stuff off the 2009 Mac just so you have it on an external sure. hard drive. And that's easy to do. You just drag those Word files over and so forth. There are also programs that will do it like Super Duper. Everybody who has a Mac should have a copy of it from Shirt Pocket Software. It's called Super Duper. Uh, I use Chronosync, which is another very similar program that lets you uh, say this folder and this folder make a match and it'll even do that over the cable over and so forth so uh, this is an easy thing to do your old mac also has something which i really like but i don't know if you'll be able to use it with your new mac called target disk mode and this is okay. way back when uh it used to use firewire i bet you it still works but it essentially turns your old mac into a hard drive if you shut it down turn it on holding down the t key your old Mac, and you'll see a little bouncing icon, FireWire icon, your old Mac is now an external hard drive. Now, wow. the, the problem is ex connect cabling the two together because you don't have FireWire on your new one. Um, right. But I bet you, in fact, I'm almost positive Apple sells, and you should ask when you're at the Apple store, a Thunderbolt to FireWire adapter so that okay. you could then connect them. This would be another way to do it, maybe not. Uh, it's the fastest way, maybe not the best way. I like Apple's built-in file syncing thing, but at least the old Mac could be an external drive for the new one. And then if you missed something or you just wanted to get, I just want to get these thousand Word files, you could literally drag them over. Wow. So and the, so what I have to, the, the computer is in essence behind the monitor I'm looking at, isn't it? Would I have to keep that hardware in there? You mean the old one? Yeah. Yeah. Your computer's in, in there. For it to be my, yeah. Okay. In order for it to be my hard drive, I would have well, to you don't want to, have that. Honestly, you wouldn't want to leave it forever in Target Disk mode. I mean, you Not can, it. but that you're right. That's a right. big old chunky thing you got on your desk. Right. It's just for that first time when you're doing the copy. I see. I see. For the immediate yeah. transfer process. So Apple has a built-in process. It'll launch automatically. You can launch it on the old system, and it'll do it. I'm pretty sure it'll work with that old of us what's the latest what's the version of the operating system you have on your old mac I, you know i couldn't tell you i i know i tried to upgrade to a new one and it wouldn't let yeah me. there'll be a limit it's probably right. snow leopard but maybe you can get later than right. that get it as late as you can for sure got it and then i and think then what, you'll be able to do that okay and just one more question on top of that for example i bought microsoft office program with the new Apple, and I think I've bought Microsoft Office as many times as I've bought the I White know. Apple. I know. And I'd like not to, to do that again. Will it transfer things like that over? Will it transfer my Microsoft Office software uh, over? To it will, app? but you'll need the serial number for it so that you can re-log in. Which I think in. I've got. I yeah. Do have, I have what Microsoft now Microsoft. wants you to do, and this is the exact reason why, is subscribe. Right. Pay an 8 or 9 or $10 monthly fee, and then that way your Microsoft login becomes your key and you can move it around easily. So I see. the family uh, office subscription includes five installs, uh, Windows and Mac. And so you can move it around. You can say, okay, I don't want to use it on that machine where I'm going to use it on this machine. And it really is the easiest way to do it. So next time, that's probably the right gotcha. way. Yeah. Gotcha. Leo, thanks so much. I appreciate you've answered. Hey, enjoy your, are you, what are you going to get? I, I'm, I think I'm going to replace the one I've got. You know, I, I, I'm not going to get an iMac. In terms of, yeah, you know, I'm, I want to spend two thousand bucks, and I think that's what I spent last time. And I think I, Apple I think will help you spend two thousand bucks pretty easily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they're very good at that. Yeah. No, you're gonna you're gonna love it. It's so much faster. The new operating system, Catalina, is really quite nice. Um, right. I Apple does a good job in hardware, and I think you'll be very happy. 
one of the things I'm concerned about is the fact that, uh, you know, I like this one because I can take my DVDs and slide them into that side. Oh, you're going to lose that. Yeah. Can you replace it with something? They sell, when you go to the Apple store, ask for it. They, I think they still sell a USB version of that super drive that uh, you can plug in, and it's just the same as if it was one built in. It's just a little extra thing hanging off the uh, back of the I understand. Machine. I understand. Yeah. Okay. I have it Thank just you, in Leo. case when, you know, people still give me stuff to... To yep. watch or rip or whatever, and I so I have it yep. when I get CDs. You know, when the Beatles came out with the Abbey Road, uh, I'm sorry, yep. was it Abbey Road? Yeah, 60th. I um, right. uh, it comes on CDs, and I uh, everyone once a year with the new Beatles album comes out. <laughs> That's an interesting statement. I didn't think I'd be saying in the year 2019. You know, every year when there's a new Beatles album, I like to rip those CDs to put them on my hard drive. <laughs> Hey, a pleasure talking to you, Jim. Thank you. Good talking to you, too. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. It's a good gig they got here. They just, uh, every uh, 60 years or so, it's like Disney, right? Just keep re-releasing Snow White. There's a whole new generation hasn't heard the Beatles music. Uh, Actually, uh, this started October 2nd. Office 365 personal users can sign into five concurrent devices at the same time. Unlimited installs, but you can only use five at the same time. That's great. I think that's a good deal. It's worth it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back to the phones we go. And line one, John in Pasadena. Hello, John. Hello, Leo. Welcome. I got a thumb drive at a conference, and I put it into my MacBook Pro, and I saw the um, directory of the different papers and so on. Uh the cover got closed on the MacBook, and the drive pulled out of it. And next time I plugged it in, it says the disk you've inserted is oh. not readable by this computer. Oh. Do I have anything I can do? No. Usually with those thumb drives, when they fail, they, they fail. They fail pretty dramatically. If you really, really, really cared a lot, I bet you all those papers are available online in some other form. But if you really cared a lot, you could try running a program like Recuva, uh, R-E-C-U-V-A. It comes from uh, ccleaner.com. And it is designed to try to recover that stuff. There's also, I've used for years, um, PC Recover. For, it's a German uh, company that's actually designed for smart memory. I don't know if that makes uh, any difference. But uh, let me see if I can find that one. Is it PC Recover? Or that would PC? either of these run on a Mac? Oh, on a Mac. That's right. You said the word, but I, I wasn't paying attention. PCinspector.de. That's the one I was thinking of. Let me see if they have a Macintosh version. Um, it's in German. Uh-oh. I click the English button. It's freeware, which is nice. Uh, but do they have a Mac version is a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I can't tell on the website. Okay, I'll, Check it out. It's, it's uh, pcinspector.de because it's in Germany. And that's specifically okay. aimed at flash RAM, which is the kind of memory that's in that USB mm-hmm. thing. Oh, okay. Usually if those are dead, to be bl- brutally frank, <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> Because, <laughs> that, that, you know, the conference organizer didn't spend a lot of money on those, obviously. Or they wouldn't have handed them out like candy. Um, yeah. There, there is Data Rescue for the Mac, which is not a free program, but that is available specifically for the Mac. I know that's a Mac choice. Um, 
The problem is when flash memory dies, it's not like a hard drive where you can get bits and pieces of it. Usually it's just not accessible. There is a demo uh, from, uh, it's so, uh, th- this is from ProSoft, ProSoft Engineering, ProSoft.com. And it doesn't even mount. Is there? Yeah, see, that's, to me, that's not the flash then. That's, that thing is shot. It may, you know, I don't know why it was when you, did it get ripped from the Macintosh when you closed it? Or No, I... <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't that shouldn't hurt it. I I think it was just uh, it was just bad luck without unmounting. No, but that yeah you know Apple always says that. Maybe that's what Usually happened. Usually it doesn't matter, but yeah, you know it scolds you. But uh, yeah, it scolds you. But I've never lost data. That's by the way, what's going on there? Just so you know, is that's if you're writing data to that USB key, it doesn't all get written. Doesn't get flushed yeah. out. So if you just I yank it writing, out, though, but you weren't writing, so it, yeah. So yeah. this shouldn't have anything to do with it. It wouldn't. That would not hurt it. You could just yank it out. It's only if you're writing to it and then you yank it out. So um, second question on the USB keys. The other a couple of weeks ago, you were given one and you talked about not wanting to open it. Would it be safe to open a foreign USB key in either VMware or no. using a uh, no. live Linux distro? It'd be safer. Or something? It'd be safer, yes. Uh, it depends. So it depends how it's infected. So let's, this is, they, mm-hmm. the bad guys call this a candy drop. It's a very effective way of hacking companies. You just drop a few 32 gigabyte USB keys in the parking lot. Maybe run it over once to make it look like it was a mistake. <laughs> Guy walks into work, says, oh, look, a USB key, 32 gigs. This is awesome. Plugs it into his computer. Now, if the guy, if the bad guy is only somewhat sophisticated, he'll just put an auto load program on there that'll run when you stick mm-hmm. it in. If you're running in VMware or you're running in a Linux It'll infect that VMware, but it won't infect the whole machine. So you're right. That would isolate it. But there are bad, bad things people can do with USB. There's a USB attack that has never, to my knowledge, been mitigated called bad USB. And it's actually a firmware modification on the USB. It's a, it's, this exploit's been around for five years and the problem is that USB key manufacturers don't want to fix it. They don't want to fix it. This you may remember Stuxnet. Remember when uh, uh, U.S. and Israeli intelligence decided they wanted to disable the Iranian capability to enrich uranium for nuclear bombs? Yeah. The uranium was being enriched in a plant that had centrifuges that were not connected to the Internet. So somebody, nobody's admitting to it, but I'm pretty sure it was the Israeli intelligence folks, created a worm, they called it Stuxnet, that was designed to sit on a USB key. Then they left them lying around the facility. Oh. <laughs> and because these, these SCADA centrifuges were not connected to the Internet, right? So you can't infect mm-hmm. them that way. But they did have a USB port, so somebody plugged it in. And it infected the thing. Now that Stuxnet then leaked leaked out and infected all of us. That was a nightmare worm that was around for five years. The U.S. Uh, will you be able to see something like that if you no. uh, loaded up Partition Magic? No. 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 Especially bad USB, which is really bad. Bad USB isn't 
auto run software that goes on a USB stick. It's modified firmware. And it could actually infect all of the USB devices on your machine. It could corrupt them all without your knowledge and even if you're using a VM or Linux. So it is as bad as you can get. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think a lot of people know how to do bad USB because it requires a firmware modification. And you'd have to be pretty motivated. As with most of these attacks, it's not a generalized attack. You don't just strew USB keys around hoping somebody will pick them up. You don't just leave them at the library. It's an attack where you're out to get a company and you go to their parking lot, right? Because you want to get ransomware on their system. Or you're, or there's a dissident you want to attack. Or maybe it's a, you know, uranium centrifuges in a nation that's trying to become a nuclear power. You target those attacks. Targeted attacks are almost impossible to avoid. But they're also usually very difficult to implement. Bad USB is difficult to implement. Uh, but it can, it can, it can, uh, it can it do all sorts of nasty things. And there's nothing you can do about it. So my general rule of thumb is, do not stick an unknown USB key into your system for any reason at all. Now, if a conference organizer hands it out, I guess it's okay. Remember, I don't know if you heard our Security Now episode where we talked about um, a big global summit of uh, uh, leaders from around the world where they handed out USB fans to cool them off. I think it was the Chinese government handed them out. And, of course, the Secret Service immediately confiscated them all, as they should because uh-huh. you don't know what's on the other end of that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Thank you. So, yeah, don't plug those in. <laughs> uh, even with vacation magic. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that you got that from the conference, right? And you trust the conference organizers, right? Right, yes. Um, I don't think you have to worry about that unless they're getting hacked. Or it was a security conference. I wouldn't plug in a USB key you got at DEF CON for life, for love, or money. No, this was an autism conference. No, I think that's fine. <laughs> However, I think you, I don't think it's probably likely that you'll be able to recover that data. And just, But I would imagine they put that online. No, they don't. They don't? They keep it. Uh, they right. want to be sure that people pay to pay. Yeah, of course they do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you can try it. Uh, as I said, for Macs, uh, there there is uh, some sp- specialized data recovery software from Prosoft okay. Eng, P-R-O-S-O-F-T-E-N-G, Data Rescue 5. Um, and they do have a demo version, although my experience with uh, demo versions in this category is usually what they'll do is say, oh, yeah, we can see stuff. Now pay me $50. Yeah, right. If, if you want it, pay me $50. Well, hey, 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 Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We get back to the phones on the line. Debbie. Hello, Debbie. Leo Laporte here. Where are you calling from, Debbie? Hello, Debbie. I hear silence. I hear silence. All right, well, let me put her on hold and see if we can uh, rouse her and move on to line four, which is Richard in West L.A. Hello, Richard. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, good, but I'm having a little problem. Okay. I heard your advertisement for Plex a few weeks ago. Yes. Yes. And I've tried to use it, and I don't seem to understand it. I thought you said you can have Plex and not have to be on the Internet to watch movies. Did I get that wrong? 
You can watch your own movies, but you need a Plex server to do that. So you watch movies on my my movies on Plex server. Yeah, so the so Plex does a few different things. Okay. Originally, Plex was designed. It's software uh, that's free, but you can pay for a Plex Pass, which gives you more features. It was designed originally to basically be a media server. It was to duplicate uh, the media server that came with Windows and Xbox. And the idea was, you put Plex. Plex is a client server solution. So there are there's server software which you can download from Plex.tv, and there's client software which you can put on your iPhone or your tablet or your computer or any almost anything. Roku, Fire TV, those are all clients. The server needs to run on something with a hard drive with some storage because it's going to serve your movies. The idea is you have a media folder inside of TVs, shows, music, movies, whatever media content you want, podcasts. You just stick that in the appropriate folder. The Plex server is smart enough to look at it, figure out what it is. If it needs to, it can download the album art or the copy, the box picture or information about the show if you have multiple episodes in a series for instance it'll get it oh yeah that's all the dr kildare episodes this is episode one two three and it'll show up nicely on the screen as a very nice user interface on the client so yes you can watch movies but you have to have the movies to watch to watch them does, does that make sense well, it does now because I thought I misunderstood you uh, when you originally mentioned Plex. I thought it meant that you can access movies. Uh, well, from- now there is, that's in a way that's true because they also will. This is coming soon. It's not here yet, but they will also be uh, adding free movies and TV shows uh, to stream. So when you when you got it, you probably thought it was something like a Roku. Or software like that, where you would, or iTunes or Netflix, where you'd stream movies. That hasn't happened yet, but they've entered into agreement with Warner Brothers. They're going to launch titles for streaming. So there will be free streaming TV. Right now, there's already streaming music, streaming podcasts. But yeah, I think I maybe wasn't clear enough about exactly what Plex is. It's a, it's a media server and initially it was designed to serve content you already have your music collection so if you have a you know if you've got a bunch of music many people do on their hard drive but you want to be able to listen to it anywhere in the house you put a plex server on that computer and then anybody in the house can listen to that music same thing with tv shows same things with movies but eventually uh they're going to in fact they just uh, oh i see a week ago they partnered with lionsgate so they're adding even more to their video library so that streaming is coming but it's not here Yet they do have maybe you notice this when you get the Plex Pass, there's a lot of streaming content from television news, from podcasts, other things. So there is some streaming content. There will be movies and TV shows soon. Now, can what they're uh, enabling now can that be watched when I'm not connected to the internet? No. Oh, okay. I thought that's what you said, and I got it wrong. Yeah, no, the idea is streaming, the word streaming always means you're connected to the internet. What you can do is stream locally if you own movies. And this is really, most people who use Plex, including me, this is the main reason we use it. Imagine, over the years, I've collect, I've ripped a bunch of my DVDs, I've collected TV shows, I've you know recorded a bunch of stuff, I have it all on a hard drive, and I'd like to watch it. 
Well, of course, you know, one way to do it would be to share the disk and then you have to open it up on a remote device. The easiest way to do it is to run a server on that computer. I actually do it on a NAS, a Synology NAS, but you could do it on a PC or a Mac. Run a server on that, or Linux, and run a server on that computer, which understands the content and then presents a nice interface to anybody else on the network so that they can play it. In that case, you don't need internet because you're playing locally, you're playing content locally. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. I apologize. No, that may be my mistake. I was hoping for the best. <laughs> There's as far as I went, it would almost be magic if you could play if you weren't on the internet but you could play TV shows you you had no other access to. I don't know where they would come from. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that would be magic. Uh I apologize for not being more clear on that. Yeah, it's a media that's really the I guess the bottom line. It's a media server solution. It's a little complicated, but I tell you, with more and more people cord cutting, I'll, I'll give you a good example. I've been, you know, I have a cable bill, almost it's pushing two hundred bucks a month. Of course, that's including the internet, uh, and I also pay for Netflix. I'm, you know, I'm probably spending three hundred bucks a month on uh, content, music, streaming music, and all that stuff. What I'd like to do is just pay for internet access. Um, I need a tuner that will allow me to. Put my cable. I guess I'd need a cable card or an antenna, but I need some way of getting those shows. Record them, which you can do. Put it on the Plex server, and then have those shows available as if I've got a DVR in every room of the house. And even when I'm on the road, I could put the Plex software on my iPhone or my Android phone, and I could watch my TV shows that way anywhere in the world. That would be kind of cool. That's uh, the idea. That would be terrific. Uh, definitely let us know if that happens. Oh, it will. In fact, I, I think I'll be doing a whole series on it. Uh, the, I'm waiting. The thing I'm waiting for is the TV tuner part. It, I'm going to get it from a company called Silicon Dust. They make uh, something that a lot of our listeners uh, use called the HD Home Run. They have a new product coming out, the HD Home Run Prime 6. It's a little box. You put it on your – this one can use a cable card. I'm going to – probably not cut my cable subscription i'll put the cable card in there take it out of the tivo where it is now and then uh it has six tv tuners connected to my LAN to my network and then you can control it remotely uh in fact from plex you can control it and say you know set recordings just as you would with any dvr those recordings will be saved to the plex server and then available everywhere i can get access to my plex server which is basically anywhere in the world so that's going to be that's going to be pretty nice. That requires okay. that requires Plex Plex Pass and uh, the DVR capability plus some hardware with a TV tuner in it. And that's what I'm going to use. But I will do a whole seg. I think we're going to do a, a four part series on this because it's going to be non trivial. And I promised my wife I'm not taking the TiVos out until this works perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be after vacation, I think, because I don't think I'll have time to do it before we head out. It'd be great if I could do it before we head out. Then we could, you know, she likes to watch The Voice. She wouldn't miss an episode. She could watch it on the DVR over the Internet. That'd be pretty cool. Okay. Well, thanks, Lee. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I t totally apologize for miscommunicating uh, what it could do, John. Yeah. Um, or, I'm sorry, Richard. It's, a, it's, not, it's not quite magic. Really, if you think about it, there's got to be – there's some logic here. You, there's got to be some source for the content. It's not just going to – magically appear without internet access but internet access is the key you know what we really need and it's available in some places but not many what we really need is a high-speed internet provider 
that is not trying to sell upsell you on cable services or voice services or something else. Just sells you internet. It's high speed. Doesn't have any bandwidth caps. There's a company in town that's doing that for forty bucks. Uh, they do fiber, gigabit fiber for forty bucks a month. It's called uh, SonicNet. See, if I had them, then I would get rid of the cable company. I could really pretty much do everything I want over a high-speed internet connection if there are no bandwidth caps. Then you need some additional hardware and so forth. So that's a good project for cord cutters. I guess. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, the gizwiz, coming up. I'm a dancing fool. Leo Laporte, the <laughs> tech guy, doing my disco thing. Why do we play disco? Why? Because... It's time for Disco Dick DiBartolo, Matt's Maddest Writer, and our Gizwiz. Hello, Dickie D. Leo, how you doing, pal? I am great. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing super fine. Dick is world famous as Mad's Maddest Writer. For many, many years, for more than 50 years, he started in high school writing for Mad Magazine and still doing it. Uh, he also, in fact, he was in every episode for 50-some years, which is every every uh, magazine. Issue. Every, every issue. Yeah. That's what they call them in magazines, issues. <laughs> and uh, he also is a gizmo hound. In fact, going way back, you had the, you two were telling me you had one of the first uh, telephone answering machines. Oh, my God. Well, Bill Gaines did. Bill he, Gaines, he had the, one, the publisher yeah. of Mad. Okay. Right. You know, had two giant reels, one <laughs> for the outgoing message uh, and one for messages. Oh, man. Yeah. Before uh, cassettes. I, 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 and if you don't remember, I'll just tell a quick funny story about that. So I was working. I worked for Goodson Todman in the match game. So every time we had a celebrity, I would say, do you know, the? would you like to play a trick on the publisher of Mad? And they said, yeah. I said, call this number. And just say, I miss seeing you, Bill. And I had like Peggy Cass and Kitty Carlisle and Gary Moore and all these. And By the way, that tells day, you how long ago this was. Any, this was. Anybody in their 50s going, who? who yes, exactly. Yeah, they were the, that was basically the Kardashians of the 60s. Go ahead. Exactly. And 70s. <laughs> and 70s. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day, uh, Bill said, do you know Rich Little? And I said, I know who he is. Yeah, you know, he does voice, uh, great voice. And he said, Rich Little must have my phone number because <laughs> I keep getting these number people, famous people saying, hello, Bill. I said, Bill, it's those people because what? I've been erasing them. Oh, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> anyway. That's so funny. Oh, those were the days. Well, those he's been days. collecting gadgets for a long time since the yeah. days of. Peggy Cass and Orson Bean and yeah. Kitty Carlisle. And now he's uh, officially our gizmo wizard, our giz whiz, the guy with all the gadgets. As the okay, Joker so said, where does he get all those amazing toys? Fortunately, sometimes people come to me now. There's, there's a company called Pictar. And the Not PR Pixar. Company, Pic no, no, Pictar. P-I-C-T-A-R. Okay. And the PR lady said the uh, CEO of Pictar has a new intelligent smart selfie stick that he wants to show you at your studio is that all right so we set up an appointment and he came over and they call it you know they call it the world's smartest selfie stick so it's pretty clever it's a selfie stick with six control buttons on it so that while you have your camera on the end of the selfie stick you can adjust the lighting you can click back and forth between the front and the rear camera 
So if you're doing a little interview, you can do that. You can pivot the camera back and forth. And it's not using Bluetooth. I asked him, I said, should I get this for my vacation? This sounds really cool. You, you know, you you know, Leah. I'm not sure you can. It. I looked on uh, BH Photo and it said available. A uh, shipping October 26th. Oh, I leave the 21st. Oh, oh, oh my God! Oh my gosh! Oh my. Well, so, keep your eye but it's out. Shipping maybe, maybe. as we as 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 this airs, it's shipping like next tomorrow. Like oh, to, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. This is um, really clever. It looks like a camera. It's very the problem is after he gets this great demo, he said, "You know, I'm going to leave you one. What phone do you have?" And I said, uh, "The LG G7." And he said, uh, "Well, I'm not going to leave you one." Uh, <laughs> he, he said, "There are so many variables." Oh yeah, you couldn't do it. Oh all. wait a minute, Leo. This is this is the. I'm showing a video. That's not it. Yeah. No, uh, th that is their first gadget, which is very clever, that you slide your phone into that. That was the Mego, and, okay. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And that adds a lot of features. It's a camera to, grip, yeah. yeah. Exactly, and it makes it much easier. So what's this uh, called? Uh, this is called the Smart... Actually, I put it on... Uh, I made my website live for you. Oh, gizwiz.biz. Okay. Biz. All right. Um, Let me go uh, this is called the Smart Stick. The Migo M I G G O smart stick. Oh, so they use still use the Migo, but now yeah, it's, exactly. It's a selfie exactly. stick that does so much more. Yes. Okay. He came by to show you. Look at that. They, that's yeah. how that's how important you are. <laughs> so is it like a? Is it like a? So I got the, it's on. It's a selfie stick, but it's got all these buttons on it. What does it do when I press those buttons? Okay, so you can switch between the front and rear camera. So oh. if you're holding it up and you want you saying something and then the person responding you can go back and forth you can change the lighting while you're doing it you can tilt the camera forward and back even though it's far out at the end of the selfie stick oh and so it's and like it's, a little remote control selfie stick too. Oh, exactly. And it's using sound waves so that they didn't rely on Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Oh, so sound waves. Huh. So yeah, well, ultrasonic. Okay. Um, so the phone the, has to run its app, or how does the phone? Know? Yes, the phone. The phone exactly. The phone has to run the Pictar app, okay. and so that is the problem for me. They made it compatible with Galaxy phones. <laughs> oh boy, iPhones. Oh, look at that. You can you can change settings in the phone at the handle of the selfie stick. Yeah. Nice. And six Pixel phones. So I mean. That alone, he probably has 80% of the phone market. Oh, yeah, just yeah. Three. Uh, but it's very clever. It's going to be 70 bucks, 69.99, and uh, coming out at the end of October. Well, I'll probably order it because we're looking, and I know I know you're going to be at CES, right? So we're going to, yes. we're going to corral you uh, because we want to go to the sands, the basement of the sands where yes, all the junk exactly. is, and have <laughs> you give us a tour because no one knows. Off. Offbeat gadget, offbeat gadget zone, better than Dick <laughs> D. Bartolo. But this would be a very good thing to have as we're walking because we're not bringing a camera crew and a sound man and lights and that. We're just going to walk around because I think modern smartphones are good enough. But if I had it on this stick, I could it could just it'd be like it was following us around. It'd be so cool. No, I think it's great. Yeah, I'll this is your it. kind of thing. I'll this is it. your kind of thing. Yeah, from Pictar, P I C T A R. 
the smart stick. But as always, with everything Dick does, all you have to do is go to his website, G-I-Z-W-I-Z dot B-I-Z, Gizwiz dot biz, and click the tech, uh, Gizwiz visits the tech guy. All the things he shows us are there. But, you know, this site is full of great gadgets that he shows other people. He only shows us the junk. Uh, <laughs> no, World News Now and elsewhere. Plus, of course, the legendary What the Heck Is It contest, a chance to win an autographed copy of Mad Magazine by, you know, looking at a close-up of a gadget and figuring out what it is. We're at the end of uh, October, so I think, are we almost at the end uh, of the... Yeah, almost four. And you'll be playing for, sadly... The last. The final... Uh. All original med. Okay. Now there's going to be a med 11, and I'm and I'm in that. And they're talking about. But this is in a way. This is a collector's item you're playing. This is. This is. Yeah. This is. So get over there. You've got till the end of the month um, to uh, figure out what this Gizmo or gadget is. Play the what the heck is it game? Gizwiz. Dot biz. So what? This makes me so sad. I grew up on Mad Magazine. I grew up reading dick d bartolo to be honest um what is the future now this is the last one with all original content they're going to do re-releases right so now the the most popular thing each year was something called the mad 20 the 20 dumbest things Mm. of the the, so they thought well let's do the mad 20 in our first reprint issue so it'll be like a third new okay and then and then after that after a quarter that, new, they, then a tenth new, then a hundredth well, new. I, I was speaking to the art director, and they said they're trying to work out a way that you can have something original in every issue. Yeah, because it wouldn't be Mad Magazine yeah. without you. We got to run. So, Thank you, Dick. Okay, very good. Okay, bye. Dick have D. Bartolo, Gizwiz.biz. Okay. Take care. Okay, bye. Well, that's it for the Tech Guy Show for today. Thank you so much for being here. And don't forget, TWIT, T-W-I-T. It stands for This Week in Tech, and you'll find it at twit.tv, including the podcasts for this show. We talk about Windows on Windows Weekly, Macintosh on MacBreak Weekly, iPads, iPhones, Apple Watches on iOS Today, Security and Security Now. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And, of course, the big show every Sunday afternoon, This Week in Tech. You'll find it all at twit.tv. And I'll be back next week with another great Tech Guys show. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.